This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You better you bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller here with you. Hour number three. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. We're with you until 7 o'clock Eastern time. We're with you on stadium for the next hour up until six o'clock Eastern time. So go over to watchstadium.com. You can check us out there. We are also still on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, twitch.tv slash BeckQL, and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. Mark, before the break uh, last hour, we were diving into some college hoops. We were talking about some of the blue bloods, North Carolina. Duke, Kentucky. We both agree Kentucky's a fun watch, but they don't play any defense. Duke and Carolina, though, certainly in intriguing teams, teams that can make deep postseason runs between the two. If you had to choose one that you like moving forward, would you take Duke or would you take UNC? I would take UNC. I mean, uh, you know, we touched on a little bit before the end of the break. I just think they're built more to win in March. Um, I like how they've been playing defensively, even though they eased up a little bit. And, you know, it's just some of the things they've done during the season that kind of helped them be successful. It just seems like a different vibe. Last year, a little bit concerning, but I like the Tar Heels. Um, you know, one of the questions I had for you, PJ, is when we start diving into March, we're always looking for these teams like, at, you know, to just kind of like slide in, you know, they get through the bubble and then they're able to make an impact in there. Is there any teams out there that you're looking at like that? Like, I think like Washington State is a tremendous story, you know, what they've done there. Um, you know, any team that we think that might be able to slide in and make some noise. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are a couple different ones. I think when we were talking with Kevin Sweeney, uh, one of the teams I would look at is New Mexico out of the Mountain West. Like, if mm -hmm. they get in, they're kind of, the way they're rated, they remind me a lot of Florida Atlantic from last year. Just a really solid team, man, with, you know, they did great stuff in the transfer portal. Uh, they got so many guards. They're really athletic. Mm -hmm. And if they can just figure out how to have their game travel from where they, when they play at the pit, Outside of that, on neutral courts, uh, they could be really dangerous. So New Mexico is a team. I, I like Florida out of the SEC. You know, Todd Golden went into the transfer portal in year two, got a bunch of guys. Um, and you just like there are certain games where you really see the potential with Florida, and they can beat anybody. Mm -hmm. And then there are other games where they really don't play well. But I think Florida is an interesting team. Um Memphis, I mean, what's going on with Memphis, Mark? Like early on in the season, you know, they were stacking up a really good non-conference resume. Then they get into conference play and they really hit a stride. Now they're starting to stack wins again. 
But Penny's got a veteran team with some good, experienced guards. He's got Quinterly and David Jones. And, you know, they got talent. Um, they're a team that if they get in and maybe they, you know, kind of went through what UConn did last year where they had a really strong start, went through a little bit of a lull through the middle, and then kind of picked it up towards the end. Now, I don't think they're going to win the title, and I don't think they're as good as that mm -hmm. UConn team was. But, you know, that's what happens sometimes is these teams go through little spells team that I was really high on at the beginning of the season that, uh, you know, is kind of on the bubble right now is Texas A&M. They had the preseason mm -hmm. SEC player of the year in Wade Taylor. They returned four of their five starters. Haven't been as good as I thought they would be this season. But, you know, those kind of teams that early on in the year had expectations kind of just go through the motions a little bit and then get hot in February and March. Those sometimes could be teams that uh, you want to kind of buy into. So we'll see. I mean, those those are certainly the teams that I would look at. A&M, Mexico um, are the teams right now that are on the bubble that I do think if they get in could potentially be dangerous, especially early on in the tournament for some of those number one seeds. So we'll see. Is there anybody that you had in mind? You said Washington State interests you. Well, I just think they're a good story, and I think if they can slide in, I, I think they could be a lot of fun. But I like to target those teams. As we get closer to March, you know, we'll, we'll have a better kind of handle on that that stuff and what to look at. And, again, you know, like seeding's going to matter, and, you know, we'll, we'll tear that apart. I think San Diego State's always a team that you kind of, you know, has, is built where they can win in March if they get the right matchups, right? You know, solid defensively, can beat you inside, do all the, you know – discipline things that you want to see right they don't turn the ball over a ton you know what you're going to get with the Aztecs um so that's a team that you can kind of lean on in the right situation um so I, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of watch it unfold over this next month before we gear up for the big dance to me Mark if there's one futures bet you mm -hmm. got to make it's Michigan State at 40 to 1 man like I just mm -hmm. think it's a great price you this know what I mean that's it's, I, I agree with you. I agree. And they're a team that I think is going to get in the dance. And, like, look, I mean, it's it's Izzo in March. It's cliche. And there's been a stretch here for a little bit where he kind of has struggled. But last year, they were able to make the Sweet 16. They beat a really good Marquette team. And he's got a veteran team, man. And they were... They weren't great to start the season. They had to go through some growing pains a little bit. They played some some good teams, but uh, that's a team that if they're a seven seed, six seed, you do not want to see them. So Michigan State is uh, a team that I certainly have my eye on right now at 40 to 1 because every other team at this point, I mean, the markets are pretty sharp that you know, they're they're kind of caught up to the numbers. Maybe Marquette at 25 to 1 could be another team. That mm -hmm. was a team that preseason was rated really high. They've won seven in a row. They're starting to find their groove a little bit. Duke and at 30 to 1 could be a really a good price too. in the tournament, and I think that helps out. You know what I mean? Like, we saw Marquette get some success in the tournament, and I think that that could really, you know, do wonders for them as far as making the next step. So I, I think that's definitely a team you can get your eye on. You brought up Memphis. Now, did Memphis get knocked out by FAU? Am I remembering that correctly last year? That is yep. correct. Yep. And that was the game where it was like everybody was kind of fascinated because I felt like going into the tournament, everybody had those two teams pegged as teams that could really kind of like go far and get some momentum depending on who got out of it. And it was like a crazy ending too, I believe too. Like Memphis, you know, should have had it, let it go. But uh, that was a fun one. I think Memphis definitely a team to keep an eye on. 
What's funny, Mark, is a lot of people strike me as the kind of guy that fills out like 25 different brackets. I actually only fill out one just because I get it for like, I get it for like fantasy football, right? You want to have a bunch of different teams. So like, sure, at the end of the Mm -hmm. year, you can get yourself into as many like championship games as you want. But for March Madness, like I want to root for one result in one game. I don't want to have all these different things and be like, oh, I need Tennessee in this bracket, but oh, I need North Carolina in this bracket. I just want to have one of everything. But it's funny because last year I was so conflicted on that FAU Memphis game. And I really thought, the winner of that game would go to the final four that I fill out two different brackets with both of those teams making it. So uh, my FAU bracket, I did very well, but that game was one point. It came right down the wire. FAU had a shot at the end. Memphis should have won it. They gave it away. But uh, yeah, that, that game lived up to the hype. It came right down to the wire. Absolutely love it. And I'm with you. I'm a one bracket kind of guy, you know, and, and there's nothing worse than whether it's even March Madness or any other type of pool. It could be an NFL pool, but you get in the pool, you pay your money, you get the spreadsheet, and you see that like one guy has like you know forty variations. He's got his aunt in there, his mom, his cousin, all these names on there, and you know he's filling them all out. You know what I mean? He's got his kids, kids six years old, doesn't he know the teams? He's got a kid's got a pool, he's got a thousand entries, so he's got like sixty percent of the equity in the pool, and it just kind of takes the the fun out of it, right? Like, I like to have one bracket. I know what to root for. I go through it. You know, if you want to do two, okay, you know, that's fine. But I I, I don't never understood the, hey, let's fill out, a, you know, a thousand different brackets just so we can, you know, gobble up the market share in the pool so we have a better chance of winning. Completely agree with you. Those people are, are the worst. Also, again, the people that fill out multiple brackets and then brag about, like, getting upsets right when <laughs> yeah, they got the it right on three right. of their brackets – but the other 17, they didn't get it right, you know? And they're like, oh, I yeah. had FDU over Purdue. I called that one the worst. Yeah, it's the same guy that, uh, you know, does victory laps all over social media because they got a futures right, but they don't show the 16 losing future tickets that they fired on that they probably ended up, you know, in the negative overall. But they're showing the one ticket like, hey, this is the one that won. You know, it's like plus 400. And you know the guy filled out, te- you know, had a, 10 other bets in on 10 other guys that went sideways completely agree do you have any success uh in brackets like if you ever won a bracket pool have you ever come close at all um have you ever gotten like three of the four final four teams correct have you ever done that good i don't know and you know why because i don't i never take like the chalk teams like i'm always trying to like find like some of the underdogs like to me it's more fun like even if you don't win the bracket it's more fun to get like the final four team that nobody expects. Right. You know, like, like that sort of thing. So I'm hunting for that. I go too heavy on the underdogs. It ends up biting me because then, you know, once they go out, it kind of ruins the whole thing, but I'm doing it more for fun. Like I said, you know, it's, it's fun. It's March madness. Uh, You know, the bets are a different story. You know, we can win money on the bets, but the pool is more fun. I love it. Mark, I'll tell you the team that you should stay away from this year. That's going to be very popular because again, they're a blue, but a blue blood, Big brand name, won the championship a couple of years ago. I cannot wait to fade them in the tournament. And that's Kansas at 18 to 1. I mm. think Kansas stinks. I, was gonna I ask really you about do. Them. I Mark, yeah. I am not a fan at all. I think they're terrible. Um, now if Kansas got to play the NCAA tournament at Allen Fogg House, that'd be a different story. And I think they're very, very good. Mm. But when they go away from the fog, they're a different team. They don't have depth. Um, they can't really shoot. 
I, I just I don't like them at all. Like I understand they beat Houston at home and they looked great, but you know it's like again McCullough was banged up. They go on the road, play Texas Tech, lose that game. They've lost at West Virginia. They've lost at UCF. They were the number one team in the country heading into the season. They picked up Dickinson on paper. Their starting five looked like it'd be amazing, but uh, I'm telling you, bunch of people will have Kansas in like their Elite Eight, Final Four because they're Kansas and they're going to be a one seed and they're a big name. But if they draw like a tough eight nine matchup, like if they're the one seed in that FAU Memphis mm-hmm. kind of game, they're going down. Somebody's going to pick them off. So. Uh, that would be my team to advise people to stay away from is the Jayhawks. I uh, am looking very much to fading them in the tournament. I love it. So when we look at the odds boards, like right around them, you have Auburn, you have Kansas, you have Alabama, Kentucky. After that, we know Kentucky's got no shot. They're not even in the same tier, I feel like. Um, so no. do you think out of those three teams, you like Auburn the best more than Bama? I do. Yeah, I mm-hmm. do. I do. I would like Bama, Mark, if they played defense, but they just don't. And I watched them early in the season when they went out of the non-conference and they played the Purdue's, the Arizona's, the Creighton's of the world. It's the same story every single game. Their offense is elite. Yeah. They can score on everybody, but they just don't have any size. What killed them this year is, like, they knew they were going to lose Brandon Miller. They knew they were going to lose Clowney and Quinterly and all these guys were going to go. The one player that really hurt them was when they lost Charles Bediaco, their seven-foot center, because I really think mm-hmm. Oates thought that he was going to come back. Like, he didn't recruit any any seven-foot centers. He didn't try and go out in the portal and get anybody. Like, he thought Bediaco was going to be his anchor in the middle, and they just have nobody to replace him. Like, they try and have Grant Nelson, who's like 6'8", guard some of these guys, and he's just got no shot. Nick Pringle, who's their big man, has been in the doghouse with Oates all season. So they just don't have much size. They can't defend the interior. They can't defend big men at all. And whenever they go up against great teams with good big men, when they went up against Purdue with Edie, or when they went up against Arizona with Balo, all of their big men fall, foul out. Like, all three of them foul out every single time. So that's that's my mm-hmm. concern. They can score on anybody without a question. The offense yeah. is good enough. But defensively, they're just – when they go up against good teams, they're not going to be able to get stopped. So by default, it would probably be Auburn of the three teams, even though I really don't like, don't like any them. of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, Auburn, the more and more I'm kind of cooling off on them. I really liked them earlier, but uh, I'm not as high on them. Um, as I am right now. Tennessee would probably be the cutoff with me. If you're looking at teams to win it all, Tennessee's at 14-1. to That would be the cutoff. And then again, Michigan State at 40-1 to would be a team that I would take a shot with. And then I think maybe Duke or uh, Marquette would be a team that I would look at as well. Those would kind of be the teams maybe in that range that I would give a shot at. Yeah, I think Marquette's going to be really interesting, you know, just because of what we saw out of them last year, like finally able to win a couple games. And, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that they could they could do some damage in there. It's, it's going to be fun to see, like, how it plays out. When you look at Arizona sitting there at 12-1, to 1, PJ, you know, you said Tennessee is the cutoff. How comfortable are you with them? 
I don't like Arizona either, Mark. Uh, you know, again, they played a really tough non-conference schedule. We were talking about it with Kevin, and they beat a lot of good teams. On paper, they got everything you want. Caleb Love, Kylan Boswell, great backcourt. Pella Larson, defensive stopper. Follows, good big man down low. It's just like an it factor to me. It's just like when I watch him play, there's just like there's something missing with Arizona. There's something mm-hmm. missing. And I know it's not supposed to matter, but like for me, it does. The fact that Tommy Lloyd coached for so long with Mark Few, and Mark Few hasn't been able to win in the tournament, right? And he struggled a lot mm-hmm. early on in his career. So I think Tommy Lloyd's going through some of what Mark Few went through, where you got these great teams that could do great things in the regular season, but as a head coach, you kind of got to learn how to win in March. That's why he's never gotten past the Sweet 16. We'll talk a little more college hoops when we come back, dive into some NBA as well. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, filling in for Nick and Ken here on this Tuesday. Mark and I are going to be with you for the rest of the week here on You Better You Bet. A reminder that we are still on Stadium with you guys up until 6 o'clock Eastern time, so make sure you go to WatchStadium.com. We also are still on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, and we're over on the BetQL Network at Twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube backslash odyssey sports mark and i had a good conversation about college basketball last segment now it is time to turn our attention to the pros and we bring in friend of the show noops you can follow him at on twitter at underscore noops betting analyst for bet us nba and ftn bets host of hoops with noops and uh noops it's always great to see you man how are you the beautiful day in the neighborhood. Football is finally over, so we can focus our efforts on NBA basketball. We can. Noops, what I love about you is uh, last time we were doing the show and we had you on as a guest, we were talking about Glenn Rivers being the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. So now that you have seen a bigger sample size of him in Milwaukee, what have been your impressions? Do you have a different take than you did a couple weeks ago of the Bucks with uh, with him at the helm? I don't think much has changed. My original thought was, you know, going to Glenn Rivers is basically saying to the world, you made a mistake firing Mike Budenholzer. He is very much a similar coach in what he does for the locker room, what he does in terms of coalescing the team. And I am curious to see. He hasn't had a chance to really work with these guys. The all-star break will be huge. What concerns me is the defense hasn't gotten much better. It looks different. They're trying a few different things. They look a little more organized, but we haven't seen results. And on the other end of the floor, the offense is getting worse. Now, I don't know if that's Rivers. It seems there's been a downtick in shooting. So I don't know if I've changed my opinion. I'm still overall worried about the Bucs. They can't seem to defend anybody on the perimeter. They can't seem to keep people in front of them. And when you get to the playoffs, being able to score 120, 130 points a night is not something that, that wins you a lot of games. So still a little worried about the Bucs. Noops, when we look at the East, you know, you mentioned still not comfortable with Milwaukee, which makes a ton of sense. Is it just Boston or bust? Like, is everyone else just kind of playing for second place in the East? We know the Sixers, you know, with Embiid's injury situation, uh, you know, market rating dropped considerably. We have the Knicks and Cleveland, two teams that are looking to make the next step. You know, Jalen Brunson, obviously, tremendous asset for the Knicks and Cleveland. 
lights got too bright for him last year. Do you think they can kind of step up this year? Can anyone really challenge Boston in the East? Really tough. Like you said, Boston has the best roster, but there's still a lot of problems. It is still the same Boston Celtics team that struggles to score late in games. It gets into a lot of iso ball, all that nice movement you see for the whole game. And Missoula has gotten better as a coach, but it's still not on the same level. Nick Nurse in Philadelphia is Eric Spolster in Miami. So I... Not sure which team it is, but I am going to find a way to fade Boston in the playoffs. I do it just about every year, and it seems to, to work out well. It's just that style of play doesn't do well in the postseason. But you start to look down the board. I think the Knicks, I'm looking for my friends at uh, BetMGM. The Knicks are plus 800 to win the East. I'm going to wait a little while. If they keep losing games, and that's going to get to 10 to 1. I think it's definitely worth a bet in that range. And then the 76ers, they're plus 1,200. Uh, that's kind of the market telling you we don't really know what's going to happen with Joel Embiid. But I think it's one of those two teams. I think it's the Knicks or the Sixers that are going to be the ones uh, that really push Boston, get them in trouble. And, of course, there's always the looming monster that is the Miami Heat that at seemingly any point, like a monster, can hop out of the closet and just scare the crap out of these teams. What's holding you off of the Cavs, Noops? Uh, obviously, they had that nine-game winning streak. Is it just the offense? Are you not able to trust that they're going to score enough points in the postseason? It's a little bit of that, and it's just uh, the postseason is much different. You have regular season NBA teams and playoff NBA teams, and really what those regular season NBA teams, the reason the Cavaliers are so good is just their depth. To have four really good players like Mitchell, um, Mobley, Garland, and Jared Allen, and to have just kind of some duplicity there, to have Mitchell and Garland, where at some point you always have a good shooting, good ball handler on the floor. With Mobley and Allen, you always have a rim protector on the floor, sometimes both. That is really useful in the regular season, night to night. But when teams have a little more time to prepare defenses, to get ready for you, uh, there is a way for that team to be boxed in. And I don't expect them to be as bad as they were in that Knicks series. I think they will win a series this year. But I just don't know if this is a team that has the overall star quality to it, that has the flexibility that you need, that extra gear you need in the postseason. So they're going to win a lot of games. I think they can win a series, but I don't expect them to be in the Eastern Finals. Okay. You mentioned the Heat a little bit, right? Uh, big underdogs tonight against the Bucks in that matchup. Both teams coming off tough games. Milwaukee, big win over Denver. Heat fell a little bit short against Boston. Um, what are your thoughts here on this one? Did you place a bet here? Um, and if not, like what side would you lean? Like me personally, like, I think this is a lot of points for Milwaukee to lay at home. Haven't been typically great as a home favorite, but also tough to get behind the heat in this situation. Wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, sometimes I wake up and I have to talk myself into bets. Sometimes I wake up and I talk myself out of them. And I got up ready to bet the Heat this morning, but just too many little things here kind of holding me back. Uh, Jimmy Butler is out tonight. Terry Rozier is out tonight. That really leaves, and Josh Richardson's out as well. That leaves Tyler Hero as the only ball handling guard really on this roster tonight. And it, it just it makes things really difficult when you beat Miami. It's generally through guard play, and without guards, it is going to be a struggle for Bam Adebayo. He's been bad against the Milwaukee Bucks. Just having Giannis, having Brook Lopez, two guys that are taller than Bam, longer than Bam, and just about as athletic as him makes it tough. So without Butler, without Rozier, it's a tough matchup. But it's Miami or nothing. And I think that if you are playing this, not only should you play Miami plus eight and a half, take a little bit of your unit and sprinkle the money line. I think Miami is definitely live tonight, but I just can't see any value in it. I make this number seven. It's only eight and a half. So a little bit of an edge to Miami, but just not enough. I just can't get there. Any any other plays for you, Noops, tonight in the NBA? Any other games that you uh, bet on the slate? 
Yeah, two games I like here tonight, two underdogs. The Sacramento Kings go to Phoenix to play the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix is great. It's this really efficient, beautiful offense that scores a lot of points. Um, I think they're 17 and 8 in their last 25 games, but only 11 and 14 against the spread. It's, it's hard for a team with such a good offense and such a bad defense to cover numbers, to keep um, games close basically win games by margin late. Sacramento is a fantastic offense. They're going to be able to score on this Phoenix team. I think they're a little underrated. They beat Phoenix outright twice this season, and the one game they did lose, they ended up covering. It was just a two-point game. I think this is a really nice spot for Sacramento. I'm going to back them on the spread at plus four and a half. And a really bad spot tonight for the Los Angeles Lakers. First night of a back-to-back against a Pistons team where they don't really need everybody to play. We know LeBron and Anthony Davis are questionable. I think there's a chance we might see either one of them out. And tomorrow night, the Lakers have to go to Utah to play a Jazz team that is not only a conference opponent, unlike Detroit, but Utah is two games back of the Lakers in the, in the standings. That means the Lakers need that win tomorrow as a tiebreaker, basically, against Utah as we get to the end of the season. I think this is a spot where the Lakers are going to be looking ahead to that game and um, Utah tomorrow. I like the Pistons tonight, plus ten and a half. It's a young Pistons team that already has the worst record in the league. They can actually try to start winning games at this point, and I think there's just a little bit of freedom at this point to be that team, and I think that's why you've seen them win two of their last three games, kept the last four or five games close. So, yeah, give me the Pistons plus ten and a half, and then the Kings plus four and a half. Love that Kings bet. Sacramento, 8-5 and five against the spread this year as a road dog. I think I'm going to tail you on that one for sure. Um, in the Lakers game, I played a little D'Angelo Russell, over 27.5 points, rebounds, and assists. Detroit, obviously, not the best uh, defensive team. Russell is going over that number in 10 of the last 12, last 5 at home. What are your thoughts there? Can I get your blessing on D'Angelo Russell over the 27.5 points, rebounds, and assists, or should I be worried? I think you can. I'm just trying to pull up my numbers here. I don't have a D'Angelo Russell rebound uh, projection in my model, but I do have mm-hmm. him for 20 and a half points and five and a half assists. There's your 26, whether he gets a rebound or not. There you and go. I think, again, it's an even better bet because if LeBron James is out tonight, D'Angelo Russell's going to have 30 points. So I like that bet quite a bit. If you can, play some alts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff there. Uh, speaking of the Lakers, Noobs, I'm looking here on – BetMGM right now for the Lakers to make the playoffs is plus 110. For them to miss the playoffs is minus 130. This is obviously them getting out mm. of the uh, of the in- playing tournament and getting into the quarterfinal round. What do you make of the Lakers? Can they get into that top eight, or do you think they're going to miss out? Mm. So this is an interesting bet because there's a multiple vehicles for them to make the playoffs. They can either get up into the top six automatically qualify or they're going to be in that play-in tournament where they have to win a game or two and when i look at the standings they're three and a half games behind second place the phoenix suns are there and there's a couple other teams ahead of them and basically what that means to me is that i think if the lakers are going to make the playoffs it's going to be during that play-in tournament so instead of taking them plus 110 now to make the playoffs just wait for those play-in tournament games and bet those individually i think that you're going to have a much better chance if they have to win two you're going to do much better than the plus 110 just betting them twice in a row if they have to win one they might be a short favorite in that game but i think from a value perspective it's best to just wait and bet them in the play-in tournament when you have more information and opportunity to maybe even get a little better number 
Noobs, I love new blood. So I love seeing teams like, you know, Sacramento last year get some traction, finally get over the hump in the playoffs. This year, we have Oklahoma City Thunder. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves, massive win last night. When we look at the Thunder and the Wolves out in the West, which team are you more confident from a futures perspective um, to be able to come out of the West? It's a really great question because they are just right on the line. It's two teams that, uh, when you go back and look at the NBA historically, there is a progression. You have teams, basically, they fight into the first round of the playoffs, then win a couple series, and then that next year, they're kind of pushing into the conference finals, into the NBA finals. And this would be the season where both of these teams needs to come in and win a first-round series. I expect them to do that. I think that the Timberwolves profile a little bit better. The way that they play defense, I think, is a little more sustainable. It's a lineup that I think is a little more sure. Um, you know, both teams have a great guard. That's the other thing that's really fun. Uh, playoff basketball, you need at least one guy that can score. You've got Shea Gilgis Alexander on one team, Anthony Edwards on the other. I think it's, you know, by a razor's edge here, and I think a lot of it's going to depend on matchups, but I, I lean towards the Wolves. Again, defensively, their size, what Edwards can do, I think is a little more valuable than an Oklahoma City team that's just a little bit younger, a little bit smaller, and not quite, doesn't quite have as much star power. Noobs, when you look at any of these divisions currently, anybody at plus money that you would take a shot at? The Bucks are plus 120 in the central behind Cleveland. Miami's even money behind the Magic in the southeast. You got Dallas at plus 135. We were just talking about some of those teams in the northwest division who are all plus money right now. Like Anything on the board currently in the divisions market that you think would be a good good bet? Just scrolling through some of those prices right now, I want to make sure that I have the right numbers, but I like that Mavericks bet that you highlighted there. Um, they are only one game back from New Orleans. I think New Orleans might have the tiebreaker. They've had some success against Dallas this year, but uh, the rest of the schedule looks a lot easier for the Mavericks. Their injuries have really balanced out. The trade for Gafford is really nice because what Dallas has been missing, I think the most over the last few weeks, is Derek Lively Jr. His rim protection, his ability to play in the pick and roll has been huge, and Gafford is going to be able to fill that gap until lively gets back so i think there's some upside i would actually have the mavericks a small favor to win that division so i do like the mavericks there at plus 135 uh, the rest of the divisions are kind of tough i think the cavaliers are going to hold on and win the central division just easier schedule for them uh, and just playing much more basketball where the bucks are going to have to continue to experiment and find the best way to win that um so yeah i think the mavericks i think that's really the best one you hit the nail on the head there i also don't mind the thunder at plus 240 i don't know why those numbers aren't a lot closer Again, we have to go back and look at the tiebreakers, but I don't think the Thunder have a big disadvantage against Minnesota, against Denver in that category. So, again, go back and just double-check the head-to-head -head there. Unless the Thunder have somehow lost three games out of one of those teams, plus 240 is too big. Let's shift over to the awards market. Um, one of my favorite you know, markets to kind of watch and monitor lately has been the most improved player market from Philadelphia. So Tyrese Maxey, um, you know, has been front running there for a little bit, of, a little bit, but Cam Thomas, there's some other guys there. Kaminga's starting to come on strong. Is there anyone outside of Maxey that you think we should be looking at to where we could find some value? A little bit of a sick face when you said that, because I think about that every day before the season, I bet Tyrese Maxey would be most improved player 
at every number that was available. I think I have anywhere from 30 to 15 to 1. I have a whole drawer full of tickets that are slowly turning into coasters because I think there was just, too, like you said, I think exhaustion was the word you used. Uh, we got this great early start for Maxi. He's an all-star. And to take a step back, most improved player every year is someone who increases their points per game about 5 to 6, picks up an assist or a rebound, plays for a winning team, and makes the all-star team. And he's already done that. So it checks a lot of boxes. But the problem is with that Embiid, with the way the Sixers have been losing, in basketball games, he is going to start losing votes, and that's a little bit of a concern for me. One of the names you mentioned, I think Jonathan Kaminga, hopefully you have a ticket already on him. If you don't, 10 to 1 is a really nice number here. I think he should be a lot closer to Shangoon. Shangoon's plus 500. I think Shangoon has a little bit of the same fatigue factor that Maxi does without nearly the success. He's not an all-star. Kaminga won't be an all-star, but if he plays 25, 30 minutes a night, for this Warriors team the rest of the season, the Warriors make the playoffs. There's going to be a lot of support for Kaminga. Betting analysts for BetUS NBA and FTM Bets, host of Hoops with Noops at, uh, at underscore Noops on Twitter. X, our buddy Noops, join us here on You Better You Bet. Noops, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much, guys. Always a pleasure. Best of luck until we talk again. You as well. All right, we're taking a quick time out here on You Better You Bet. We come up, wrap up our number three with some more NBA talk. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, wrapping up our three of You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM here. On this Tuesday, filling in for Nick and Ken. A reminder, this is our last stadium here on uh, Stadium, so make sure you go to watchstadium.com. We are with you until 6 o'clock Eastern time, and then for the remaining hour of the show, and also now we'll be on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, twitch.tv slash BeckQL, and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. Great conversation with our guy Noops talking some NBA as we're getting ready to head towards the NBA All-Star Game and uh, three-point contest slam dunk. There's some stuff already out there on BetMGM. Mark and I, I'm sure, will dive into that later on in the week. But we have a couple more games until we hit the All-Star break. And uh, right now, when we look at the futures market, Again, we'll start with MVP, Mark, because your guy Embiid looked like there was a great chance he was going to go back-to-back. The only thing that was going to prevent him from that was a long-term injury, and then, of course, he suffers an injury, and now he's no longer in the running. Jokic is the heavy favorite. So right now, Mark, especially with the new rules and guys having to play 65 games, this award is really going to come down to who stays the healthiest. Jokic has been Mm -hmm. a guy throughout his career that obviously has been able to put up incredible numbers, but also has just been able to stay healthy. So do you see anybody else winning this award? Is there any other guy that you would place some money on if you're looking at the MVP market? I, I think it's a fun market right now. You know, like Embiid obviously had to duck out, but I think that opens some things up. You know, like, like you're seeing SGA really kind of, you know, hop up there now. He's plus 260. He's going to continue to steadily increase. But, you know, the biggest story in the NBA, I feel like, is the Los Angeles Clippers, right? So when you realize that, and hey, this is the team that could finally get over the hump, they could win the West. Um, are they going to have the MVP? You know, you look at Kawhi at 30 to 1. Like, you know, is he a guy that 
you know, makes sense that kind of number, you know, it's, they're really the, that's really the player that I'm looking at, you know, and when I look at this market where I want to get some good value, um, I, I really want to find a way to, to, to get on board with Jason Tatum. Like I feel like conflicted in the sense that Boston is clearly the best roster in the league and they're probably going to look like the most dominant regular season team, you know, when it's all said and done. But how are they going to be represented in the awards market? Like, you would think that they'd be represented in some way, like, you know, but it's, it just feels like it's not going to be Jason Tatum just because it's always like a two-headed monster there with him and Jalen Brown. But I, I think, you know, if the Clippers continue on the path they are, this number for Leonard is just going to get shorter and shorter if he's able to stay healthy. Um, I don't see why he can't challenge and make this, you know, uh, insert himself into this race as we get closer. Yeah, I, that was the guy that kind of jumped out to me, right? Is like, who who has some nice, juicy odds? And, I mean, you hit on it. Mm-hmm. Kawhi with the Clippers at 30-1 to 1 just because of the season that they're having. Um, can you trust Kawhi, though, to play that many games? And then Brunson, to me, is the guy that jumps out at 50 to one just because of the season that the Knicks are having and because of how vital Mm -hmm. he is to their success. It's funny. I was doing the show with Ken when Embiid was rolled out against the trailblazers. It was early on in the show and we stopped what Mm -hmm. we were talking about. And Ken immediately dove in to the MVP conversation and said that if you had any Embiid futures, you got to get out of it immediately mm-hmm. in the MVP market because he could kind of see what was coming. And then we started talking about if Embiid is out of this race, who are the guys that would kind of take his place? And immediately the guy that stood out to me was Giannis, who was 10 to 1 at the time. Then throughout the day, right. he dropped to plus 800, plus 750. And now he's at plus 650. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, though, Mark, when I look at the Bucks, is there just a team right now, especially that they just kind of strike me as a team that they just care about the postseason, right? Like, that's that's why they got mm-hmm. Dame. That's why they got Doc Rivers in their head, right? Was a guy that could help them win a championship. <laughs> like, that's, that's ironic. Even though, <laughs> yeah, even though most people would think that's the reason you wouldn't get Doc Rivers, but that's the reason Milwaukee went out and got him. <laughs> But Giannis was the guy that I went to. But, you know, now the more that I think about it, Milwaukee, clearly their singular focus is just about winning the title. Giannis has obviously won MVP before. Like, I don't really think that's a top priority to him. Whereas a guy like SGA, you're on a young, up-and-coming OKC team. You're Mm -hmm. having a great season. Like, he certainly is going to be a guy that's going to push Jokic for that award. Do you think it's correlated at all of, like, if OKC is able to win that division where they're going head to head with Denver, that maybe he wins the MVP as well. Or do you think that if, you know, OKC wins the division that Jokic still could win MVP? I don't know. I think it definitely helps his case. I mean, you know, and it goes without saying, but I I think that that would be a massive step to kind of make this race um, a lot tighter. And I just think, you know, some of it's going to be fatigue. Like, even though Jokic didn't win last, you know, year, like people are just so used to him being at the top of the the odds board that they kind of want to see someone new hop up in there. And I think SGA is perfect for that. I agree with you with Milwaukee and Giannis. Like my issue is almost twofold with Giannis like in this market is that the first one is that it's hard for me to imagine you know this season playing out and us not looking at Milwaukee and being a little bit underwhelmed 
right? Just because of how they are defensively and how the season has gone so far. So is he going to win in a year where the team's kind of underwhelming and they went out and got him the high profile player, the play, you know, alongside of and Damian Lord, and you're going to, you know, vote for him over SGA, who's pretty much carrying an entire franchise, you know, on his back. Yes. Holmgren's healthy, you know, Chet's there. They have some guys, they're a fun, exciting team, but SGA is the engine. Like he's the most valuable player. So um, I, I have a hard time with Giannis just because I, I feel like we're always going to look at the Bucks like they underachieved this year. They might crank it up in the postseason, but during the regular season, we're always going to feel that way. Um, so, you know, that that's why I couldn't get on board there. Brunson's interesting because, you know, Noops is just on. And he talked about if there was one team to challenge Boston, it would be the Knicks. And if they do, if they're that type of team, if they're built that way throughout the entire season, um, you know, listen, you know, they're going to be, you know, you know, Brunson is going to be, you know, the catalyst there. So I, I think that we could see those odds shorten a lot as well. Now, I agree with you. I, I do think if Brunson stays healthy, he's going to get some MVP votes. And certainly if they went on a winning streak like they did when they got OG Ananobi, like he could climb up that mm -hmm. that odds board. So we'll see what happens. Any love for Luca? I think it's pretty funny, Mark, how his odds were, you know, in like the plus 700 range, and then Kyrie comes back and they just automatically dip, right? And like, you knew that was going to happen. Certainly having Kyrie back on the floor isn't going to help your case as MVP. But I mean, any any shot at Luca, or if Kyrie is back and he's healthy, you know, you think there are better options on the board? Yeah, I think there's better options. I don't like Luca. Like, I don't like Dallas. And I just think that, you know, it's – this is I, – I don't know. I know he had the huge 73-point game or whatever, but, like, are they going to be good enough to where it really warrants him winning it this year? Like, there's so many better options, um, you know, to root for, I, I feel like, in this one that, that I would kind of turn my head to. Like, it, it, you would need a, a couple things to happen, right? And we never want to wish, like, injuries on players, but I think we would need to see some – some of these players kind of fall off and get injured and kind of duck out of the race um, if he was to get there. But I just can't see, like when I look at SGA, I say, okay, I can see him closing the gap, you know, with, with, with Jokic, um, you know, Kawhi, I can see him closing the gap. If the Clippers are, you know, the most dominant team in the NBA, you know, when the season, you know, unfolds, I, I how does Luca close the gap? Like what happens? Like, what does it look like for him to close the gap? Like, uh, I think it's a lot. No, I agree. I agree. I think it's a lot too. And again, I think with Kyrie back, it certainly doesn't help his case, right? Like we saw mm -hmm. the stretch where Kyrie was out. Luca had like a 70 piece in there. He was, he was looking like Luca. He was looking like an MVP candidate, but now with Kyrie back, I have no interest. I think SGA is the play. And then I kind of think a little flyer on Jalen Brunson might be worth it as well. You were talking about most improved player with Noops. You were talking about Maxi. He's the heavy mm -hmm. favorite at minus 250. I thought he brought up a good point, though, about Kaminga. Like, to me, that would yeah. be the value bet. Kind of like Kobe White as well at plus 700. But obviously, the Warriors are a big brand name. They're going to get a lot of nationally televised games. Klay Thompson has even publicly talked about how he's taking kind of a backseat role now. Outside of Steph, like, the Warriors are just dying for help. And Kaminga has really emerged. They've won five games in a row. Um, do you think this is Maxi's award? Like, do you think it's even worth placing a bet on anybody else? Do you see some value on a guy like Kaminga? I do. I mean, I, I think Kaminga is a great option here, you know, even at 10 to 1. Because 
you know, you nailed it with the big brand, right? Like it's the Warriors. Like they're going to be in the headlines. You know, like the you know, Draymond is probably the MVP of the MIP market because you know he's going to bring attention to the Warriors and, and their path this year, and that's going to put Kaminga in the forefront. I feel like in this race, like you know, Kobe White, yes, tremendous year, might be you know the most improved player, but they're not going to win games like the Warriors. You know what I mean? So. Um, I, I think that, you know, they're just such a high profile team that him inserting himself and being a big part of it and being a part of their success here down the stretch, um, I, I think could, you know, really play in the eyes of the voters. And that's going to be the issue with me of Maxi. Like I know Buddy Held played great last night and, you know, the Sixers, you know, beat Cleveland and Cleveland's a tremendous team, but I don't see the consistency out of this team with Embiid to where he's going to be able to continue to kind of hold on to this lead as favorite. He could win the award, but it's just at it, it minus 230, like I'm not going to bet Maxi at this spot. I would much rather play Kaminga 10 to 1. And, and I mean, even there's you keep keep your eye on it. Like, you know, you look at it like, you know, Cam Thomas, I, I understand he's down there, you know, it, on the odds board, but he was rolling for a while. Like, there's a lot of season left. You know what I mean? So, you know, maybe not fire a bet on Cam Thomas now, but continue to keep an eye on a guy who could be getting more opportunities, uh, you know, to put up bigger stats. And, yeah, that's really what it's all about. But I think if there's one guy to target right now, I think Noobs is dead on with Kaminga at this price. Yeah, Cam Thomas, who you brought up, is 100-1. to 1. You got Jalen Williams at 80-1, to 1, Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes, 50-1, to 1, then Kaminga at 10-1, Kobe White, plus 700. Shane Goon at plus 500, and then Tyrese Maxey, your favorite, to win most improved player, minus 250. Three hours down, one hour still to go. The Power Hour, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the way next. That'll do it for us on Stadium, but we will be on Twitch, YouTube, the Odyssey app, and plenty of more outlets for the final hour. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.